What does Easter prove? Most Americans believe that Jesus did what he said he would do, and that is he died and rose from the dead. And a matter of fact, one of the latest polls by Gallup and Harris and Roper, 90% of Americans believe that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. But so what? What if he did? What difference does it make? Something that took place over in Israel, and what kind of implication is that to me? And something happened more than 2,000 years ago, how's it going to impact my life? Now, so that we can all gain for just a few moments, well, by the way, let me give you a little tip. I preach better and faster when there's an amen from time to time. Well, let's go ahead and go to page 17 then. Two very important truths. Here they are. Number one, God is in control. And number two, God always keeps his promises. So let's take a look at number one. God is in control. Say that with me. God is in control. We know that. Proverbs 16, verse number one. Listen carefully. Those of you online, we welcome you today. We may make our plans, but God has what? The last word. You might think you have the last word in your life. And God may let you loose for a while. But let me tell you, he always has the last word. We know that during this season, we talk about the crucifixion in real time and the time of the resurrection. We know that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day hated him. They could not stand him. If there was anything that they could do to harm him, they would. And then they decided, well, we're just going to get rid of him once and for all. So we're going to take his life. We're going to tell a bunch of lies. And we're going to see that he winds up on the cross. And they believe it was their plan to kill him. But here's the deal. What they did not know, that they were doing exactly what God intended for them to do. For it was God's will for Jesus to come, to die on the cross, and to be resurrected. So those boys thought, we're going to take his life out. And God's standing up there saying, yeah, you're doing just what I planned. Yep, you got, it's got to happen. Go ahead, guys. And you know, when they thought their little plan was reality, God actually was in control. Now, let me say this to you. Some of you may need to know that today. Maybe you're busy, maybe you're worried, maybe you're anxious, and you believe, oh God, things are out of control. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and you've tried to manage and it hasn't worked. Let me say to you, in the name of God's word, God is in control, no matter what it looks like. Our plans are futile. God says, my plan will be done. Well, there comes a time in your life that you say, well, I need you, God. I need you to show up. And that's the, that's the testimony of little Stella. Stella is our testimony for today. Stella's four years of age. Her mom and dad and her grandparents are here today. And so Stella, when she was 18 months old, she's four now, she was told and her parents were told that she has a, a rare cancer. It's called uh, ATRT. It's a very aggressive tumor found in less than 5% of childhood cancer patients. 
but the reoccurrence rate is 70%. They thought, what are we going to do? God, if you're in control, please work something out. The local institutions here could not diagnose, did not know what was going on. And so it is, we find out that they took her to Newmore's or Nemours ER, Children's Hospital there in Orlando, since they couldn't get a local diagnosis. And in a matter of a couple of hours, they nailed it, said, here's what she's got. It's this rare cancer, but it's 70% reoccurrence. And so they admitted her to the ICU. We've got to get that tumor out of there. We've got to do it now. But Dr. Greg happened to be the individual that God sent their way. And he gave them a discussion. He said, it's going to be numerous surgeries. We'll do what we can to begin with to get the first part out. And then she'll have to recover, have weeks of recovery, and we'll go back in and do it again. And then we'll go back in and do it again until we get all of it. As a matter of fact, he said, this is the largest tumor I've ever seen in a young child like this. Well, the day came. The day came that surgery took place. Started that morning. He said, we're going for partial removal. For six hours, he was in there in surgery. The family patiently and impatiently waiting. When he came out, he was smiling. Grandma said, Rhonda said, hey, when I saw his face, and he was smiling. I knew God was up to something. He said, let me tell you, I don't know how I did it. And I don't know how it happened. But he said, I got every last bit of that tumor out in the surgery now. And she said, I do. His name is Jesus. It was God. Come on, church. Put your hands together. Can you imagine? 18 months old with that kind of of tumor. Well, what do we do now? Well, we have to have, we have to have chemo. We have to have that kind of treatment. Well, what protocol do you take? How does, how does that work? And there were several that they were told that might work, but as they begin to check and as they begin to be directed by the Lord, because let me tell you, when you got an 18 year old child, 18 month old child or 18 month old grandchild or a three year old grandchild or a six year, you are all ears. Tell us what we could do. Well, God moved, and they were able to find, remember, only 5%, another little girl, patient, that had the same thing right here in Orlando. And that was close. They decided to do the Dana-Farber protocol. And what that meant was, normally it meant they had to move to Boston, take up, move to Boston for a year, and do the chemo and the radiation without any family nearby. But God is in control. Arnold Palmer's in Orlando, Dr. Smith, followed the protocol right here in Orlando. They found out. Late at night, they emailed her and said, this is our situation. In about an hour or less, the good doctor emailed back and said, come see me tomorrow morning. They made the appointment and the journey began. She took the case, started the protocol, started the radiation, started the chemo, put the port, 
the port inner brain and then to the very spot and then to the spine and began that process of a little girl. She was basically an infant again out of that surgery because you see she couldn't hold her head up. She couldn't talk. She couldn't do much of anything. She had to be retaught and relearn all of that because with a brain trauma, you don't know what will be permanently taken away. Well, listen, God all through this process, by getting the whole tumor, by getting someone locally, by getting a Dr. Smith who had done the protocol before, it just so happened. Oh, no, it wasn't just so happened. It was God the Father, the Son of the living God, that said, I'm in control. Just stay with me. Stay committed to prayer. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, she is four years old now. Come on. 18 months. Learned it all. Well, the beautiful news is she went for her MRI just the other day when she turned four. She has to have an MRI every three months. And the doctor said, you know what? She's doing good. Let's go to every six months now. We've been checking every three months. No worry, no problem. She's improving. And we're glad there is no cancer. And we are grateful the treatment has worked beautifully. Oh, you can't tell this family just the treatment. Here's what they know. They said, our God showed up. I want you to meet Stella. Stella is here this morning and the family. Would you guys stand up? Turn around, you guys, and wave to the audience and show Stella. There she is, right there. Hallelujah. By the grace of God. Amen. Now, you guys are going to exit. Is that right? You're going to stay a while? Because I know Stella wants to go to her Sunday school class. All right? She's ready to go. So she had to sit through the first service. She's fed up now. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? And you know the part about that? It's true. Absolutely happened in this precious family. Well, how old do you have to be before you realize that most of your life is beyond your control? How old do you have to be? You're not in control of anything. Well, let me take you back. You weren't in control who your parents were going to be. You weren't in control when you were going to be born and where you were going to be born. You were in control as to what nationality or race that you would be. You had no idea what your skill set would be or your talents or your giftings from, from God. You didn't know any of those things. All of that was beyond your control. But even today, not just back then, the majority of events that happen in your life, for example, you can't change your past. You can go ahead and try. But no matter how hard you try, it won't happen. You can't predict your future. You can't make time slow down. You can't add an inch to your height, no matter what you do, unless you use those shoe deals, etc. but not naturally. And you can't force people to think and do what you want them to do. Did you know that? You can't control the economy. You can't control the powers of world influence. You can't make people love you and want to embrace you no matter what you do. You can't stop your parents and grandparents from dying. They're going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. And we know that. 
And most of the things in our life you can't control. You just can't. But here's what we try to do. You try to manage the unmanageable. You try to control the uncontrollable. How many of you men, you don't have to raise your hand, thought that you could control your little woman when you got married? <laughs> and you've had a train wreck. Anybody out there? And then how many of you women thought, when I get through with him, he will be a kitten. And you found out he's gotten more stubborn and meaner than you could imagine. Did you know that? Do you know why? He thinks he's boss. He wants it his way. How many of you know God's still in the miracle working business? Amen. If you don't believe that, just ask Sharon. That's the way it works. You can't control the uncontrollable. When things happen in your life, you say, wow, but here's what you can control. And today you have the ability to control your response. You can control your response in everything. You can either accept or reject. You can either be thankful or resentful. You can either say, okay, God, I receive that or I reject that. I just reject it. You can control your response. And here today, one of two things will happen to all of you. Every time the Word of God is preached, one of two things happen. You either draw nigh and closer to God and say, thank you for the Word. Or you step further back and you push back and say, not for me. I don't believe that. But only one of two things will happen, and you have the privilege of the response that you make. There's nothing God cannot control because he made it all. Well, how does he help me then? If I turn it over to God, how does he help me? He helps you manage the unmanageable. And he says, okay, if you lean on him, I will be available to you. And I know that in Ephesians 1 verse number 19. Here we go. God's great power is available to help us who believe in him. That's the catch, who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ. He said the resurrection power can help you when you do not know what to do. And there are times, you know one of the hardest things to do? We're praying right now for some situations, uh, uh, you know, in our family, etc. And And that deal, several, several weeks ago, we said we're leaving that on the altar. Do you know how much you want to begin to take that back off the altar? Do you know how much you want to talk about it? you know how much you want to get in God's business? And I say, no, we have this on the altar. We don't discuss it. We just leave it up to God. God, you're in control. And every time we do that, God is pleased when we leave it in his hands. He'll get results when he chooses to. So how do you do that? For those who believe in him, okay, then I believe God and I believe you're going to help me because here it is, without you, 
Tim, you guys knew without God, you have no hope. Without God, you have no hope. Well, we think that we can. You're smart. You've done it before. You've got experience. The road before you has been really good. And you say, hey, I think I can make it. But here's what happens. When you get to the place that you stop worrying about what you cannot control, because worry is a type of control, then God has his way in all of us. When you start praying, you stop panicking. When you start worshiping, you stop worrying. And so we know Isaiah 41.10, don't worry because I am with you, he says. Don't be afraid. I will make you strong and I will help you and I will support you. Don't worry because I am with you. Number two, you know, I haven't heard an amen in the last five minutes. I have to think for y'all and think for me too. This is hard enough. God keeps his promises. How many has ever broken a promise? <laughs> About half of you. How many has had somebody break a promise to you? How many of you don't give a rip? I know some of you are here. Break your promise, too bad. But God has never broken not one promise. And you know what? He's not going to. Easter proves that Jesus keeps his promises. He came, died on the cross, rose again, went back to heaven. And he promised, hey, I'm going to come back. But he prophesied the prophecies in the Old Testament. There are many. For example, in Psalm 2, there's one about the resurrection and about the crucifixion. He said, I'm going to come in human form so you will know what God is like. You'll be able to see him, the Son of God who never made a mistake. That's what agitated the religious leaders. He just never made a mistake. And you know, the reality is, he says, hey, I'm real. So there were a million people in Jerusalem when he came forth out of that grave and he shared himself with hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people and said, take a look. But here's one of his promises. He said, the problem trying to relate, I, I would have a problem trying to relate, um, you know, to some hocus pocus siding in the sky. I've seen in my life in ministry, I've seen two angels, two angels. I, you never changed my mind. As long as you talked and argued, I know what I saw. Number one, the, fir the first time, first angel I ever saw is when I laid eyes on Sharon. At number one. Now, I don't know if she's in here or not. Wow. 
You know what, I, what happens to me most of the time is I'll say something involving in Sharon, and some of y'all will run right out and tell her. <laughs> Do you know what he said about you today? I say, sweetheart, you can't believe some of those people. <laughs> we have a bus that goes to an institution. We pick some of them up. It's probably. <laughs> but you know what she does? She believes everything you tell her. She does. She said, it's you because that's just like you. I say, well, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> and the other was an angel over in the family life center. And I was in the center aisle, and the Holy Spirit was moving on a Sunday night. And I, I looked, I almost bumped into him, scared me to death. It's just unreal. I, I know that I saw that just like that. So, but today, if you, something across the sky, I'd say, well, but you know, that's why Jesus showed himself to so many people there in Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in the 15th chapter, verses 3 through 9, he says, exactly what he did died on the cross rose again and allowed people to see him now here's what he tells us too i redeemed you to give you a purpose have you ever heard somebody say they ain't good for nothing you ever heard it how I many's never heard it well there's a problem you didn't raise your hand either way you ain't good for nothing you're not, you're not good for anything. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here's what God said. You are worth, get this now, your value is worth the death of my son on the cross. So I put a lot of worth in you. And so as a result, you have a divine purpose. God didn't say, I'm going to redeem you so you can just float through life. He said, you have a purpose, and I, it's no accident that you are here. I have, I have a purpose to, to give you and to honor you, but I have a purpose to, to use you. More than 7,000 promises in the book. I need to trust God. And it's all about, you want to go to heaven, then he says, hook up with God's plan and have a purpose, confess your sins. Time Magazine, I went way back. Time Magazine, March 24th, 1997. This was the question. What is heaven on the front of Time Magazine? What is heaven? This is what they said. They wouldn't write this today, I don't believe. They said heaven is a destination and a reward. Heaven is relief from earthly trials. Heaven is reunion with those we love. Heaven is our real home, our permanent address, our true country. It is paradise regained. Heaven is an end to death's sting, and it is eternal. Isn't that a wonderful article? What do you think they'd write today? I don't know that it would be that, but all of that is absolutely the truth. So we say, heaven, how wonderful is that? Well, then let's go to heaven. Well, I've heard people say, well, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go today. And you know why you don't want to go today? Ha! I got an Easter lunch I need to attend. They got deviled eggs. They got chocolate pie, pecan pie, coconut custard pie. They got ham. Hello, they got filet mignon. They, got, they have mashed potatoes and gravy, fresh tomatoes and lettuce and a salad. 
and hot rolls that they specially made for us. And I'm going to say, God, I'm ready to go now. No. I want to wait. Well, if you're going to wait, why not go ahead and do this? Why not say, and God, come after I get my Easter afternoon nap. Because after I eat all of that, I'm going to need a nap. Somebody with me out there? There you go. I don't want to go now. Well, you know what? You know what media has described heaven? It looks like we're walking on a bunch of clouds. And we just there, we got white robe on, white hair. Hello? I run from white hair. <laughs> I don't want it. Have feathers sticking out our back. Harp playing over there. How much harp can you take? <laughs> it's in eternity. Well, I want you to know that's not a good, oh, oh yeah, and you're going to be an angel in heaven. No, you're not. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you're going to be you. And you're going to be you. So you're going to know them as they are known. Hello? Well, I was hoping I'd get, I'm, I was hoping I'd get a new body. You will? You'll get a new body. Won't be any sags or zigs. You have that new body, but listen, it's not like it's a figment of your imagination. The bottom line is the same person that made heaven made earth, and the same one made earth made heaven. That makes sense. And look at the earth today, a million different colors, million different sounds, million different pleasures pleasing to the eye. You can hear, taste, and smell. And the Bible says God made us to enjoy pleasure with him. And so everything on earth God made for your enjoyment. And then he says, hey, and I made heaven too. I want you to come on up. Oh, but I got a scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye hath seen, no ear heard, no mind has conceived the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. That is your promise. And you want to hang out trying to be a big boy? You want to hang out trying to control everything? You want to hang out trying to be a man's man or a woman's woman instead of just simply humbling yourself and say, hey, God, I'm tired of trying to figure it out. Come on down and forgive me of my sins. I'm ready to follow after you. I tried it my way for all these years, but now, 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 I'm going to do it your way. I want to do it your way. I want to go to heaven. Say that with me. I want to go to heaven. Well, you're going to have to make a reservation. So you don't just get into heaven and just come up and say, uh, listen, I know I did my own thing. And I, you know you created me with stubbornness. You created me with a little bitterness. But I've done my best. Why? I want you to know I've given my shirt off my back to people many times. And yet he's going to say, well, yeah, you're a good person. But did you ever say, forgive me? Did you ever confess your sins? Did you ever walk right after you asked that question? Because the manifestation of true forgiveness is you live differently. Are you living differently? Well, I, I never really did, but I, I like to get on in. Uh, 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 sorry. Here's what he's going to say. As sure as I'm breathing, 
Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Who controlled their own destiny? You did. You did. You can't get in. Why? Because heaven is a perfect place. And the only way that you become perfect is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't die for nothing. I'm reminded of the lady. She showed up at the gate. Now, this is not a true story. She showed up at the gate, and St. Peter was there. St. Peter said, you're here to come in. She said, yes, and she went to walk around him. He said, wait a minute. You're going to have to spell a word. Really? I got to spell a word? Oh. Oh. Man, I thought I was in. Well, you are. But you're going to need to spell a word. Well, what's the word? Spell love. Oh, God, thank you. L. Oh, the E. He said, come on in. She shouted all the way. Peter said, well, wait a minute. I have to take a break. So, listen, would you mind standing here for me? And doing what I do, if someone comes up before I get back, I'll be right back. Would you, would you do the same thing? Tell them to spell a word. She said, I am so humbled that you would ask me to do this, St. Peter. I'm so humbled. She said, I'll do it. He says, good. She's standing there. Oh, I'm so glad to be in. My Lord, I'm grateful for Pastor Blackburn at Victory Church for preaching so hard. I'm so glad that on Easter Sunday 21, he preached that message and I accepted you, Lord. I'm so glad that church loved me. I'm glad I got into small groups. I'm glad I got that book he's going to offer at the end of the service. Oh, Lord, it made a difference in my life. Thank you, Jesus. She opened her eyes. At about 50 yards off, she thought she saw. The closer he got, she did. Her ex-husband was coming toward her she thought surely it cannot be him there's no way he made it <laughs> he got close to her he looked at her and said did you make it she said yes I did I had to spell a word and I made it in he said am I gonna have to spell a word she said you sure are he said tell me the word I was an ace of speller in school she said good your word is Czechoslovakia. <laughs> he had to turn around and go back home. <laughs> Heaven is going to be more wonderful than you could ever imagine. You're going to think that the hell you put up with on this earth is going to be well worth hearing him say, welcome home. And it happens because we ask him for forgiveness. Do you believe that? It's by the grace of God. That's what gets us into heaven. And this is what he says. Come on, come, come unto me, you that are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. 
It's what he says. I'll give you rest. You see, the person that God wants you to be is found in humility and found in confession of your sins. And the reason to do that is you'll look beyond your present situation. You'll go beyond what might be a survival mode into a mode of blessing and great pleasure. Because here's what the Bible says. He has a divine plan and purpose for all of us. And that divine plan and purpose will not happen automatically. Here's how it works. The closer you draw nigh to him, the more powerful his purpose will be to you. It's not a religion. It's not a membership in some church. It's not just a Sunday experience. It is a lifetime of beauty and peace and power. And to know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords made a way where there is no way so you could boldly enter into heaven. And so he says, Matthew 11, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I'll give you a reason to have hope beyond your natural understanding. So there are two things. He wants us to get to know him intimately. I watch from time to time, if I'm watching, um, there's a program like Going RV. You ever seen it? Anybody ever seen it go out where you go out and look at RVs and you buy them or trailers? Or Anybody ever seen it? How many's never seen it? I don't give two liver lips then. <laughs> but every time, every time, well, this is a 30-foot uh, gooseneck trailer. Pull with your truck. You got a bunk here. Most of the bunks are not long enough for an adult. And then we go back to the master bedroom. Every person I've ever seen says, we want a king-size bed. Want a king-size bed in a 32-foot trailer. <laughs> or a class A that's got a motor in it. Yeah, well, you know, we, we really were hoping we'd have lots of room. Oh, you did? 32 foot long, you want a king size bed? And most of them say, well, you have room on your side of the bed to get in. I don't have any room to get beside my bed. Yeah, you're buying a trailer. <laughs> but I saw one yesterday in my time of meditation and prayer. They walked in the first one, and the guy looked, and he said, is that a king-size bed to the salesman? Yep. He said, I don't want a king-size bed. I said, you're a nut. I want a queen bed. You don't want a king-size bed? You want a queen bed? And he looked over at his new little wife. And he said, I don't want you that far away from me. <laughs> I'm just talking to y'all. He'll want a king-size bed after a while. <laughs> and she will want it first. 
So God said, I want you to know me intimately. How do you do that? You trust him. You cannot trust someone realistically that you don't know. And the more that you know them, the more you trust them. If you know him intimately, you could put little Stella at 18 months on that gurney and say, we trust these doctors that we just met to take care of our baby. And God, we trust you. You know, we don't deserve it, but we trust you for a little miracle here to bring her out. And God said, I not only bring her out, but I'll give her health for her future. Are you with me? That's who God is. That's who God is. So as we honor him, I'm asking you to take this opportunity to think about your life. I'm asking you to take this opportunity to look in your own heart and say, you know what? I came because somebody invited me today. But I'm getting more out of God speaking to me. And I do. I've come to the decision. God is in control. I've tried to be, but he is in control. And finally, he's never failed in one of his promises. So, Lord, right now, I'm asking you, as I give you control, to redeem me. Would you stand to your feet and let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for this moment in time. Now, we are about to control our response. You're here because you want to heal. You're here because you want to redeem. You're here because we gather together to do this in remembrance of you. But the crucifixion was not accidental. It was on purpose and it was purpose driven. The resurrection defied every power that Satan knew about. He just did not understand resurrection power. He thought if Jesus is killed, murdered, slain, his body ripped apart, he thought that'd be the end of him. What he didn't know is that God Almighty is a creative God and has the power to say, as Jesus said to Lazarus, grave, come forth. And on the third day, he arose. So we can trust our God. We can take a step of faith. We can honor you. And right now, we give you praise. I'm going to ask everybody here and those of you online, if you would, to simply repeat this prayer. Would you do it out of faith? And did some of you do it for real in your own heart? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for dying on the cross. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. I believe by faith. I believe by faith. I can't manage my life. I can't manage my life. 
I've made mistakes. I have sinned. I've been stubborn. I've been hard-hearted. I've been mean. I've been reckless. I've been arrogant. But today, I'm humbling myself and asking you to forgive me of all of that. Create a new heart in me and let me follow you. For your honor and your glory, I make this commitment now. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and let's thank him. Would you do that? I have a book that I'd like to share with you. What on earth am I, what on earth am I here for? There's a little card in it called Right Now Media. Uh, you can get on your television Right Now Media, which gives you access to all types of teaching on finance, parenting, temper, behavior, a godly life, a lot of subjects. You need this card. You also need this book. If you say, you know what? I gave my heart to the Lord a number of years ago, and I've struggled, and I haven't been as obedient. Well, this book will give you all the answers and explain that to you. Or maybe you hear and you say, I'm making a serious effort right now to do what I can to do what God calls me to do. Or you might say, I've got a son or a daughter. We only have a limited supply, kind of first, uh, first come, first serve. But those of you here, but we're going to get into worship. If you like one of these books, we ask you to come down. We're going to get your name. You come down and get your gift, this book. Did you think we can do that? God, now I pray because I sense the manifestation of eagerness to make a decision of change. So on your word, I place my honor and I pray that you would pull those who you desire to slip forward as we continue to worship. Do it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have the benediction in just a moment, but we're going to wait till several of you come and pick up this book right here. You come, and then we're going to get into worship. So please stay with us. We, we know what time it is, okay? You said enough amens, all right? Amen. Let's worship. You come get your book now. Just come forward. Mm-hmm.